0: Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly Q&A. For our first question, Mr. J.D. Rice asks if Christopher Lloyd will be playing Joris Sabayoth in The Mandalorian.
0: Nice pronunciation, you didn't even ask.
1: I really wanted to say kabouth.
0: I think that's how I used to say it, like when I was first reading the book and fifth grade or so
1: like Cabal.
0: <laughs> but uh that's what uh timothy zahn put in like the 20th anniversary he was like i get a lot of questions about how to pronounce this and it was like the annotated copy of the book but i already went off track just great job <laughs> thank
1: you i try
0: <laughs> uh also i wanted to choose this question first just to make the thumbnail of uh, christopher lloyd on Joros's head Mm -hmm. Or a body with the abs and the force lightning and everything. (laughs) So I'm having a good time already. Yeah. But the answer is no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way, right? I mean, I'll I'll give it like a 1% chance.
1: I mean, I don't really know much about this character. So I'll say maybe (laughs) just for fun.
0: Yeah, I, I think that... Sabaoth coming into The Mandalorian Season 3, unless like Luke continues to really be pulled into this story, I have a feeling Christopher Lloyd is probably going to be playing someone in Din's direct path. Like, if he's going to these mines of Mandalore, I always want to say mines of Moria, if he's going to the mines of Mandalore or whatever, I, I think that he's going to meet Christopher Lloyd on the way.
1: Yeah. I... I don't know if, because I, would would that character be, like, humorous at all? Because I want him to be kind of kooky and silly like, you know, a lot of his other roles. I
0: think that's what we're going to get. I do too. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they're really casting, I I think they're kind of typecasting with all of their character actors. I mean, it is not a stretch at all. Uh, for Timothy Oliphant to be playing another lawman <laughs> in, in the in the wild, wild west, basically. Yeah. Because uh, he did it in Justified. He did it in Deadwood. So it, it kind of seems like they're being playful with like, yeah, let's just get Timothy Oliphant to do it. Mm-hmm. So I agree. I think uh, Christopher Lloyd is probably going to be playing kind of an unhinged, uh, kooky character. Sabiath is definitely mentally not all there. He's... But he's more uh, scary about it.
1: Well, explain who that is real quick. Yeah, so
0: Sabaoth is from the Thrawn Trilogy, which, yeah, it does seem like we're pulling in elements of the Thrawn Trilogy into this Mandalorian set of series. Um, He's the clone of a Jedi from the Clone Wars era, who is kind of insane, and Luke doesn't a know that. clone of a Jedi? Yeah, hmm. he is a clone of a Jedi. Uh, Luke doesn't know that, but hears about a Jedi and seeks him out uh, for further training. Um, We'll talk about this later, but I kind of think we're beyond that level for Luke. Like, he's already starting a school. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he is seeking out more training at this point. So I don't really know that Sabaeth needs to be in this story. He's also one of the just weirder pieces of the Thrawn trilogy.
1: But he's more related to Luke and the Jedi than he... So, yeah, no, I don't see... A character like that really fitting into where I think season three of Mandalorian is going to go.
0: He he is related to Thrawn in some ways. Uh, Like Thrawn seeks him out as well for uh, help in his own cloning aspirations. So there are multiple ways Sabaoth might appear in this overall story. I think it's really unlikely.
1: I think that gives <laughs> it more of a chance to be in something like the Ahsoka series, sure. if anything.
0: Yeah, that's um I'm like, I really don't think Christopher Lloyd is going to play that character. Um, I just, I don't think they're going to pull Sabiath into this. Again, like, the Thrawn trilogy is great. I have very fond memories of it. But, you know, there are some uh, things in it where I'm like, yeah, I hope they don't do that again. <laughs> like, if Sabiath comes back, then we're looking at a, another potential Luke situation. Like, yeah. How far into the Thrawn trilogy are we going to go? Probably not that far.
1: Dylan Foster wants to know if the Inquisitors were aware of the Sith and if they had aspirations of becoming Sith themselves.
0: Uh, Yes, and sometimes. (laughs) So I was just looking back through the Darth Vader comics because, you know, the Grand Inquisitor and the Inquisitors are going to be in the Kenobi series, which is still I'm really excited about. Uh, And yeah, there were uh, some frames where Vader meets Uh, the Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor, for the first time. And it definitely seems like he might one day get to be a Sith or, like, that's what he thinks in his head.
1: Yeah. The Inquisitors strike me as sith light. Yeah. Like, aspirations is a good way of putting it. Like, they're kind of Sith-in-training, or at least, you know, they think they're Sith-in-training and, you know, people like Vader and Palpatine are using them like Sith-in-training. And just kind of playing it by ear, and kind of probably stringing them along. Yes. With, you know, oh, maybe someday, maybe one day. It's like, uh, it's like Guillermo's character in
0: <laughs> in what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, like a vampire has like their servant uh, that they keep around for a long time. They're familiar. They're familiar with aspirations of one day becoming a vampire themselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty good analogy. Uh, So A, yeah, Palpatine has always got like a replacement apprentice in the wings and in that comic again, so the first time Vader and the Grand Inquisitor meet, they fight. Like Palpatine kind of maneuvered them into fighting and then stops them after a while and Vader's like, if he had killed me, would you be training him instead, and Palpatine just kind of laughs, and it's like, yeah, that's he's constantly testing Vader. Mm-hmm. He's constantly throwing potential replacements in his face. Um, I don't know that every single Inquisitor wanted to become a Sith someday, but I they definitely knew that they were working for Sith.
1: Yeah, and I just got to the part where Trilla was introduced in Fallen Order, so she strikes me very much as someone who was you know kind of a sith and training yeah on her way there
0: i think yeah probably inquisitors even if that wasn't their intent at first they could you know once you start to crave power you just want it more and more and more so it seems like eventually all of them would be competing for the top spot against vader but uh we don't know because they're all dead by the time of <laughs> a new hope as far as we know <laughs> It's, it's interesting, though, like, I don't know what to call that group yet. Like, in Legends, people referred to that kind of force user as just dark Jedi, mm-hmm. which is not a good descriptor. Like, a dark Jedi is not a Jedi. It's just a dark side force user, but mm-hmm. I feel like we need something to call them.
1: Big baddies. Little baddies.
0: Mm, mini bosses. <laughs> Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment.
1: Red Duck Five asks if the prophecy of the Chosen One could be part of the Kenobi series.
0: You know, I hadn't thought of that. The the Chosen One prophecy is something I'm not crazy about. I'm just not big on, you know, the the prophecy trope, uh the chosen one trope. Like it popped up in the amazing Spider-Man movies as well, and I was like, okay, come on. Like, Peter Parker, you're the only one that could have become Spider-Man. I'm like, all right, give it a rest.
1: (laughs) That spider could have bitten anyone.
0: Right. (laughs) But it bit Peter, and so he got to be Spider-Man because he had special blood, just like Anakin. (laughs) Like, I'm not super into that trope, but I wouldn't mind it if they brought it up in Obi-Wan Kenobi because, you know, there's always potential for new stories to change my mind on things. I still like what the prophecy represents about putting like even more pressure on top of Anakin that he's got the weight of all of this stuff on his shoulders. Uh, So if they explore that a little bit more, I'd be okay with it.
1: Yeah. He's got a serious like savior complex because of it. Um, But yeah, this would be interesting if it did come up in Kenobi because it could be something for, Kenobi and Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what they even proposed that in uh, in the question.
1: Yeah, that that would be interesting uh, just if that came up. And, you know, we, we've got Obi-Wan yelling, you were the chosen one in Revenge of the Sith. So it could certainly come up again. But I don't think we're going to see Kenobi talking to Vader about mm-hmm. Anakin being the chosen one. Yeah.
0: I think that we could see it more in a sense of at the end of Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan believed that Anakin was the chosen one. By the time we get to Star Wars Rebels with Maul and everything, like he tells Maul that Luke is the chosen one as Maul is dying. So this might be about his belief shifting from yeah. Anakin and putting all of his hopes on Luke. It could tie into the whole like uh, Obi-Wan once thought as you did. He might think there's still light. There's still a chance for the Chosen One to come back. And so this story could partially be him being like, nope, there's no hope for him. Mm -hmm. I'm putting everything on Luke now. He gets all the pressure now.
1: (laughs) Darth Marlboro wants to know what we would think of a Fallen Order sequel being entirely about a new cast and then in the third game, all the characters would converge into one story.
0: Honestly, I'm kind of into that idea. It's uh, something that one of my favorite Game franchises. Golden Sun did. They only have three games in the series, and I've only played two of them. But the first game, you play as four characters. The second game, you play as four other characters who were kind of enemies in the first game. And then halfway through that game, you all meet up and form like an eight person party. It's so epic. I loved it back in high school when I played it. Uh So something like that, I think, could be really, really fun for the storytelling. It also helps get around that idea that. Cal if we're still going to follow that story like any other Metroid game you lose all your powers at the start uh, and then you gain them back throughout the game you can't do that with Cal you can't like have him lose force push and pull again it just doesn't make sense that way mm-hmm. so introducing a new character uh, could kind of get around that
1: yeah I don't know Like, is do we know that the model for these games is going to be a three game series? no Okay. This is all nope.
0: just hypothetical.
1: Yeah. Because I'm going to assume that's not the case. So yeah, I don't think it is either. I I just don't know that they've planned that far ahead for like a trilogy of games like that. I, I do really think that the second game is going to be the same characters.
0: I think that's likely the case. I think the most probable thing we're going to find out at Celebration, fingers crossed, is Fallen Order 2 is about cal again and the rest of the mantis crew and you're doing something else and you'll unlock some new force powers and you'll still have push and pull etc uh maybe you'll play as marin and you can unlock uh sith or not sith night sister magic powers Mm -hmm. that would be cool
1: would there be any because i feel silly because i should know this but i'm currently playing the game for the first time so could cal be training marin as a jedi and maybe. teaching like slowly teaching her stuff so that you learn a lot of the same force powers but from her perspective
0: maybe that'd but be cool. i mean it, it could really be anything and it could also even though i think we will most likely continue to follow cal we might jump over to another era it could be a clone wars game and it's just called star wars jedi the clone wars or yeah. something else like it doesn't have to follow cal
1: yeah that'd be kind of cool too Or, you know, a High Republic game would be cool.
0: Sure. (laughs) But yeah, I think we're likely going to keep following the Mantis crew. I don't think we'll we'll do a whole separate cast of characters. But I did want to point out, you know, I don't dislike that concept. Because I thought it worked really well in Golden Sun.
1: Sean Grogan asks if Darth Vader actually thought Obi-Wan had given Luke all his training in Return of the Jedi.
0: So in Return of the Jedi... Vader is constantly like, Obi-Wan has taught you well. He's very like intent that Obi-Wan must have trained you. Uh, I do think that that was the intent in Return of the Jedi, because I recently saw, I think it was uh, Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter was talking about in the Return of the Jedi novelization, uh, the Emperor pries into Luke's mind and learns about Yoda, and he's like, who's that? I'll have to Check up on that later. Like he had no idea who Yoda was in uh, 1983. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, that changed in the prequels. But I, I think it's likely that Vader assumed that ghost Obi-Wan kept on training Luke or or maybe Luke had been trained his whole life. I, I guess Vader doesn't really know the details. So he just has to assume like, well, I know you were with Obi-Wan. So I guess he taught you everything he knew.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious to to know like if he did think Luke had been training for his whole life or, you know, if he knew how short of a while he had actually trained to be a Jedi if he would be like more impressed <laughs> cuz yeah.
0: Yeah, it wasn't long. <laughs> but yeah, or maybe he could just be bringing up Obi-Wan's name like this this would be a retcon. But he could be bringing Obi-Wan's name up just to, you know, jab at Luke a little bit and make him angry. Mm -hmm. Remember Obi-Wan, your temporary master that I killed? Like, he could be bringing up the name in that reason.
1: Or bringing it up in in the means of, like, this is how Obi-Wan failed me. He could fail you in the same ways.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of things it could mean. (laughs) But in 1983, I think he genuinely did believe. I guess Obi-Wan did all the training.
1: On to YouTube questions. The Midwesterner wants to know if Mace Windu could be the canon Jorah Sabayath.
0: Told you we'd be back to this. <laughs> um, you know, I don't super hate that idea because we, you know, are always talking about could Mace Windu come back? Did he survive? Blah, blah, blah. And I don't want Mace to have survived the events of Revenge of the Sith. I think it's, it's important for Anakin's downfall. I've talked about that a lot. But if this were a clone of Mace Windu, then you kind of get around that. I think that it's still a little too much. It's too far.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That it's making that whole thing even more convoluted. It's like, it's not Mace, it's actually Mace. And hmm But at least thematically, I'm like, I guess I can see it. The Emperor would have obviously had access to his body if he super wanted to clone a crazy Mace Windu.
1: Yeah. I just, like, I think... If in the new canon shows and stuff, if they wanted a character like Jorah Sabiath, I don't think they would take an existing character like Mace Windu and like pivot him, bring him back from the dead, first of all, sort of, with the clone thing, and pivot his character arc into this completely different thing. Uh, if if Mace Windu comes back, it's going to be like the big return of Mace Windu, not, look, it's Mace Windu's clone. And he's up to something different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point that it's like, okay, Samuel L. Jackson would be back, but not really Mace Windu as Mm -hmm. we knew it. It would feel like, yeah, if you're going to bring him back. Cheap
1: excuse, yeah. Yeah,
0: if you're going to bring him back, no half measures. Go all the way. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I do agree with that where I'm like, I don't want Mace Windu to come back, but if you're going to do it, just go all in
1: Mm -hmm. like you
0: did with Maul. I mean- the dude got cut. Give in him hand.
1: robot legs. <laughs> Give him a whole robot body.
0: <laughs> it's just the hand. Mace's hand <laughs> no. comes back, and it's a robot body. So, yeah, I I just don't think that cloning characters is is the way to go if you want to really really bring someone back. Oh, but
1: Palpatine did have the hand. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. did the hand fall well, out of the window too?
0: I don't know. It it it's somewhere. He could have gotten it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's. There's a lot of questions to be answered if Mm. clone Mace comes back, but there's a lot of questions to be answered if uh, real Mace comes back. And yeah, that that feels like an added level of goofiness that doesn't have to be there. And like I said earlier, I don't think we're at a point in the story or the timeline where Luke needs Mm. Sabayoth. I don't think he would seek him out. I don't think Thrawn would need him. They could still write it that way. I don't fully... It's been a while since I've read uh, Heir to the Empire, but I don't really think Joris needs to be in this new version.
1: Danilo A. Ferreira asks, what we think the Sith thought of the Nile in the High Republic, wherever the Sith were
0: at the time. Yeah, just two of them (laughs) kind of hanging out, maybe on Exegol, like, you hearing about this? (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that they would probably respect the hustle (laughs) they would respect the um damage they've done to the jedi and the republic i bet they would be happy about it in a sense that like well this will make our job a little easier Mm -hmm. in a few hundred years
1: yeah i see them wherever they are kind of behind the scenes thinking like oh oh nice (laughs) but they're they're helping us right along
0: but i also think that if it got too far then they might be like okay we got to do something about this it's mm. kind of like Maul building up the Shadow collect- Collective and then Palpatine is like, I'll let you do that for a while, but now, okay, now you've become a rival and I'm coming over and I'm going to kill your brother and zap you. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that they would want to know who's in charge and then they would potentially be like, okay, how can we use this to our, d- our advantage and can we like recruit them to be our foot soldiers? Mm.
0: Yeah, like I don't want the Sith to be a major part of the High Republic, because they're supposed to be gone. And I don't really want them to be like puppeteering the the Nile. I kind of want them to be their own thing. But I wouldn't mind if in Phase Three we get just a look, a little look at the Sith of that time, being like, "What is going on?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like kick back with popcorn. They're just like, yeah. "Wow." You seeing this?
0: They're just like we're hard at work in the planning phase. Still, uh-huh. we're in pre-production of our takeover of the galaxy and our big return. <laughs> there were just a couple of slacker Sith in there that that just dragged their feet and took their time until Plagueis and Palpatine came along and were like, "Let's kick things into high gear."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think they would appreciate just the fact that there are more people in the galaxy that see the Jedi, you know, the way that they see them. And they're just like, those Jedi are just a big nuisance to us. And yeah, I think respecting their the hustle is a good way to put it. The RM Network wants to know who we think the central threat of phase two of the High Republic will be.
0: Good question. And I mean, I don't think it'll be the Nile, I, clearly. I do think the Nile will have a presence. I think we'll learn a little bit more about Markeon's... Uh, family father maybe well probably grandmother more than father but mm. some some ancestor but other than that i'm not sure
1: yeah this this is a head scratcher <laughs> uh this will be interesting because i I have a couple of theories but i don't know we could see a lot more of like the political side of things from that era and you know i think we talked about this before, but we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of the Santecas and the the, the big power families at mm. the time and how kind of like they're aff- affecting things going on in the Republic.
0: So we know about Dalna. We know something bad happened at that planet. I- I'm wondering if there is going to be a central threat. I think we're definitely going to learn more about uh, the Nameless. Yeah. It-, it sounds I mean Yoda basically was like we got to look to our past to figure out what's going on here so i wonder if there there will be a big threat that we've never heard of before and then it got buried by the jedi Mm -hmm. because that sounds like what happened to dalna like something bad happened on dalna and now in the current age of the high republic jedi aren't able to find out what like it's hidden away in the jedi archives someone doesn't want anyone to know what happened there. Yeah. So what? maybe the Jedi, in a sense, will be (laughs) the central threat.
1: That's more along the lines of what I think it's going to be, because I think, yeah, we'll definitely learn more about the Nameless. Potentially we could learn, you know, at one time, maybe the Jedi were trying to cultivate a relationship with the Nameless uh, and, like, work with them, and, like, something crazy happened, and they got turned you know super dark side and the jedi had to cover it all up because it was kind of their fault to begin with
0: oh okay so in master and apprentice uh, i think it was master and apprentice there was a prophecy about the sins done to the nameless so yeah it's if the, the jedi the jedi ooh, i like that yeah, i like that i think a lot. that's
1: that, that's just my theory but it's a working theory and i think that might be where we're headed
0: I think that's a really great theory that I I was just going to suggest that, you know, it's supposed to be a thousand years of peace since the Republic started until the Clone Wars. And I wonder if the Jedi and the Republic have both been like, it's like, I mean, we're seeing this conflict with the Nile and it's like, all right, so it's not really been a thousand years of peace, but maybe we keep seeing the Jedi like cover some stuff up Mm -hmm. be like, nope, it's peaceful here. It's oh, peaceful. Yeah, it's Don't th- you worry. We've
1: had a thousand years of peace, uh, according to
0: our records. Yeah, that <laughs> Nile thing wasn't such a big deal. Cover it up.
1: Yeah, because like, we see how easily you can hide an entire planet in the archives. Uh, and <laughs> just delete it. <laughs> yeah, in episode two with Camino, So easily could be done with a lot of other stuff. Mm. Yeah. And that's just another cool way for the writers uh, to kind of like, put the Jedi in the center of the conflict and and show, you know, the really bad side of them. Yeah,
0: I like the idea that the, the Jedi would be somehow responsible for creating the Nameless and creating their own problems mm-hmm. and then not knowing how to solve it because their predecessors covered it all up.
1: Yep. Callum Samuel asks, how did Obi-Wan get his house?
0: <laughs> Thought it was a fun little question, and, but it's an interesting one because we've seen... In the trailer and in the the images released for Obi-Wan Kenobi, that he is apparently living in a cave. So Which I, you I, said
1: you thought it was under his house.
0: I just said it might be. I, I actually don't think it is. I think that they're suggesting he's living in a cave. Okay. Maybe it's his home away from home where he goes to spy on the Lars family, but I kind of like the idea that he is literally living in a cave with nothing but the essentials he's got his pillow and his blanket and (laughs) his
1: sudoku book that i know he's got no
0: no sudoku book i like i'm saying he thinks he deserves nothing he (laughs) failed the galaxy so he's going to punish himself by living in the cave with no sudoku no wordle no hurdle none of that (laughs) so I, i i think that that's where he's living uh we
1: could see then after the kenobi series you know after he Tries to get back in touch with Vader, maybe tries to pull Vader slash Anakin back to the light, and so after all of that, he's like, "All right, I'm going back to Tatooine for good now. I really got to step it up." We see him apply for a loan, <laughs> uh, you know, go. Th- he's got to pay a mortgage, just like everybody else. So, yeah.
0: well, that, I I, <laughs> I don't think you're that far off. I don't think we're going to see the technicalities, <laughs> but I think that we could see him learn and grow and forgive himself and be like you know what I don't deserve to live in a cave I deserve some comfort mm-hmm. uh, it's not just my fault Anakin made choices as well so then he gets the house um, I-, I did say the thing about it being under the hut because I think that was something suggested in the original Star Wars like he was going to live in a cave and then they changed it for production reasons and he lived in a house Uh so I was thinking maybe the cave is a nod to that. But yeah, I think in Legends, the house was just abandoned. It was like in a in a bad part of Tatooine, I guess an especially bad part of Tatooine. <laughs> and so he just kind of took it. And everyone was like, okay, that's fine.
1: Or maybe he won it in a, you know, a rascally game of, sabacc or something
0: and he was using the force to (laughs) to get his dream home Uh, out on the junlin (laughs) waste
1: he he overheard a conversation of a guy trying to sell his house at the cantina and then mind tricked him to sell it to him oh poor guy for really cheap
0: That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel.
1: Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
0: And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.